Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Womanhood Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm very excited to sit down with you today and talk to you about how we make travel work for us. For those where it's your first time here, the Womanhood Podcast is your twice-monthly dose of inspiration. It's your place to get to know how everyday women experiment with working in a way that actually works for their family. And today, you're going to hear from me and how we make travel work for us. So to start, why should you listen to me on this topic? (laughs) Um, If you don't know who I am, I'm Kelly and I'm a American living in London. I'm a creative entrepreneur and I guess I've always, I don't even want to say love to travel, but I have always simply traveled. I am very well traveled uh, in terms of the amount of times I've hopped on a plane, um, the amount of systems I've created for myself to travel in a way that worked for me uh, before having a baby and now after having a baby. Um, And as you know, if you have a child, traveling with a baby is wildly different than traveling without one. And what really helped me, I think, become an, uh, an expert to some degree in travel with a baby is the fact that my partner and I took six months Uh, to travel with our daughter from the time she was four months old to 10 months old. Since then, we've actually done a few more trips. She's 14 months, one of which was together and one of which was me on my own. I did a transatlantic flight solo and survived to tell the tale. And it actually wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It was hard in different ways, but on the whole was pretty straightforward. And this is what I want to share with you. I want to share with you the systems that I work with to make travel work for us as our own family unit. Uh, Your family unit is going to be slightly different, and I'll speak to this at times. But ultimately, you listening to me and sharing what I have, I guess, refined as my systems can help you get started with yours. So with that, let's get started. So the impetus for this episode and this topic actually came from a throwaway comment someone said to me not too long ago. They said they're, quote, never traveling again because it was so exhausting, end quote. (laughs) Many of you may relate to this. Her husband did not nod in agreement with the statement. He simply sat there quietly. I didn't say anything in the moment. I wasn't invited to say it, and I knew my wisdom was not needed here. But what my observation was here was that the way they traveled did not work for their family. It didn't work for the mother that I'm referring to in this situation. So if I was invited to support this woman, I would have told her that the way I think about traveling with our family and the way I think it can work for every family is thinking about travel like a pregnancy or having a baby. There is the, the pregnancy phase, there is the birth itself, and then there is the postpartum period. <laughs> and the pregnancy phase is the planning. The birth is the travel itself. And the postpartum period is your time away, your time actually on the trip. And I want to use each of these phases of bringing a child into this world to talk to you about how our family makes travel work for us. So we start with pregnancy. And now I'm going to state something quite obvious here, but when making a baby, it takes two people, but two people can't be pregnant, can they? 
<laughs> and equally, two people can't plan, can they? You can try, but it's definitely going to make it more complicated. So the way we work, and I, I think the way most families should work in this regard, is that one person needs to plan. One person needs to be pregnant. Pregnant with the idea of the travel and pregnant with the possibilities of the travel. They see through rose-tinted glasses what can be possible. And the way they include the other person, the partner, in this pregnancy is they give them choices. The way we do it, or the way I do it, I'm the planner if we haven't figured this out yet. Obviously, I'm the planner, I would imagine, <laughs> the, the girl with the podcast. Um, what I do with my partner is I give him two choices when decisions aren't reversible. So I say we can go on this day or on this day, or on, at this time or on this time. If I give him 10 choices, like that's too much. He has to do too much work on his own to figure out if the, any of the 10 choices are suitable for him. But if I give him two choices, he can say, yep, this one works for me, this one doesn't, or either work, you choose. Yeah, quite simple. That's specifically for an irreversible decision. So booking a flight um, or, I don't know, even like booking time off of work, that's probably something that can't be undone that easily, uh, depending on where you work. Um, so those are for rever irreversible decisions. For reversible decisions, I book and inform rather than ask. Probably contentious here, um, but this is for anything that's cancelable, right? So an Airbnb, I almost only ever book something that I can cancel, so I don't have to ask for input. I can instead inform. And then if he hates it, if my partner hates it, then we can change it. Um, but if you're the planner, right, there's nothing worse than disempowered planning. So definitely empower yourself and book in a way that allows you to make decisions and take action rather than sitting in this kind of purgatory of waiting for approval, right? You don't need, need approval unless something is literally irreversible, like a plane ticket, right? So yeah, that's where, how it works for us. And I just want to share a few tips around planning that have been really successful for me. These are things that I've accumulated throughout all of the years of my travel and travel planning, not just with a baby, um, but they're more important with a baby now. So firstly is choose very specific flight times or travel times. This is where I put my money. I don't need to fly business class. I'm too cheap, but I am not too cheap to pick a time that won't suit our family, right? So I'm going to pick the 9am flight because that's when, you know, we're getting onto the plane. Baby doesn't need a nap at that point. Um, she doesn't need to wake up early to get to the airport. All of these things are taken into account. And then we get to the hotel room. So do not book a hotel room if possible. If you haven't figured this out yet, um, you're going to sit in the dark. <laughs> so for me, I almost always book an Airbnb. If I am booking a hotel, I am looking for probably something a little bit more premium. I'm trying to book on points because, again, I said I'm, I'm on the cheaper side here. I don't like to over splurge. Um, for the things that are transient in nature, right? Like a hotel room is just where you sleep, a, a plane is just where you fly. Um, but yeah, try to not book a hotel room if possible. 
Another planning tip I have is around preparation. I'm actually a really organized person and I love to plan, but I actually don't prepare for a trip until a few days before. The reason being, like, things change all the time, especially once you have a baby. So why are you trying to, like, put everything together, all of the things that will entertain your little one, when you don't actually know what you're going to need that week, right? Every week is different. <laughs> so another tip is don't prepare until a few days before. And the other thing I include in the planning process and how I think about planning is that I plan to travel light. I plan to not check a bag, well, unless you're my partner and always travel with golf clubs <laughs> every time you fly. Um, but if it's just me and baby, I'm not checking a bag. I'm making do with less. I pack half the outfits for days of the trip. We'll find a way to do the washing or we'll just wear things twice, right? Like It's fine. Um, and I probably just pack a familiar book or two, a toy or two, and the world is entertaining, right? Um, so yeah, that those are my tips for the planning process um, in a way that works for my family with a baby. Okay, and then we get to the birth itself, <laughs> the travel itself, right? We're still we're still having a baby. We haven't had it yet, um, and I I love this analogy or this metaphor for travel being like having a baby because so many people I know feared birth. But it's the most quick and temporary part of it. If you have a baby, you you see that with hindsight. And it was probably worth fearing it to some degree, but you probably feared it more than you needed to. And I, I can only speak from experience and traveling here. Like I fear travel too. I really feared traveling alone. Um, but the fear doesn't serve you. And I'm going to speak to what does instead. So there's two things around the birth, the travel itself, that I feel like are really supportive. One is building your confidence, and two is stop comparing and stop caring. We'll start with confidence. So again, any mother of two will tell you that going into birth two with baby two, she's a lot more confident. She knows what she's doing. The first time you do anything is hard. But with a birth, you really don't have a choice. It's all or nothing, right? Birth is binary. You birth or you don't birth, but you have the birth. <laughs> you don't have a choice. With travel, however, you get to build things up. You get to take baby steps if you want to, right? So, you know, the first travel we did was getting in an Uber and going, you know, across London or, I don't know, getting in a car to drive to a friend's house outside of the city or flying together my partner and I to a destination funnily enough as I'm thinking about it our very first destination was New Zealand <laughs> so that wasn't that was a crash course birth style first flight but you know wherever possible allow yourself to build up the confidence and the only reason I was able to fly to the US alone, do a transatlantic flight alone without feeling petrified. It's because I had done enough travel with my partner to know I could do it alone. I knew how the rhythms of flying were. I knew how to work, you know, the going through um, security, right? Like with the baby, what they were going to require of me. Um, I knew that it was better to not check my bag because waiting on the other side is 
way more miserable with a baby than without. That was accessible. I had built up my confidence enough to do this, right? And it's the same with car travel as plane travel. And I'm going to give an example here where there's something that I'm not yet confident enough to do. So I love Switzerland. I really want to go back to the mountains in Switzerland. But fundamentally, it's a no. Because I'd likely need to be going alone, given my partner's work schedule. And I'm too limited in what I know I'd be able to achieve solo. I would be too nervous to drive in those mountains by myself. My baby does not like the car seat. And I would be incapable of taking advantage of a mountainous terrain on my own. If I bring the hiking backpack, I can use that, but not for any length of time. So I wait, right? Patience is the virtue that motherhood teaches you. And I don't know, if you've never traveled with a baby, going abroad might be the wrong first step. Like I said, you know, go visit a friend, uh, use a different crib in your own house and see how it goes. Build your confidence in baby steps and let the thing you desire take time. It will still there, be there waiting for you when you're ready. And then secondly is stop comparing and stop caring. So we look around us and see how other people's children travel, how other people's children are. I know you know that that doesn't matter, but I'm just going to reinforce it here because my baby doesn't sit still. My baby doesn't like to just, I don't know, sit at a cafe in a high chair and do nothing. She is loud. She moves. She knows what she wants and I love her for it. So firstly, I have to stop comparing. But secondly, I have to stop caring. And the big thing I've learned as I've traveled is other people's experience is not my responsibility. Them having a perfectly relaxed flight is not on me, nor my child. Definitely not on my child. What's on me is my child's experience. So I need to work with my daughter to make sure her experience of flying is enjoyable, is relaxed, is calm. Because I want her to look forward to the next time we do it. When I say we're going to the airport, she can get excited. Same thing when we go in the car or even go for a walk, right? Like any sort of travel is an experience. And it's on us as mothers to guide our children to enjoying it. So the things I ended up doing is running up and down the aisles of the plane. Like, it's a vibe, right? Like, her saying hi to others was fun. You can do anything you want in any kind of travel setting. You know, I once saw a woman with a six-week-old baby and three other kids flying back to New Zealand on that first flight. She was pumping, she was feeding, she was minding the kids, and not breaking a sweat. So when I saw her doing that, I was like, okay, I can do this too. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I guess a few other small tips related to stop caring. Um, stop caring about being that easygoing mother who doesn't need anything. Because if you don't ask, you don't get. Every time I've traveled, I've always asked for an empty seat next to me or a better row. Um, especially the time I went alone. You know, I 
I'm playing that card and I'm playing it hard. And you know what? On a pretty much sold out flight with a ton of people on standby, the uh, seat next to me was blocked. And she said, it'll be the last seat I give away. And in the end, a few people didn't make the flight or something because she said it might be a full flight. Um, And I got an empty seat next to me. So my baby got her own seat. If you don't ask, you don't get, right? So be willing to ask for what you need. Stop comparing and please stop caring. (laughs) Okay. And then you had your baby. You gave birth. You did the travel. But now's the fun part, right? You've got the baby. You're on the trip. And, you know, the one who went through the experience of planning and traveling, right? The one who went through the experience of being pregnant and giving birth is usually the one who finds the moment afterwards more overwhelming, difficult, and tiring. It's not exclusive, right? I'm not saying that, but it's more typical, right? So if you find this part of travel, the actual experience of being on the trip difficult too, right? When you feel you're supposed to enjoy it, that's okay. Like, tell your partner, tell your friends, tell whoever you can that you find it difficult and allow them to mother you, mother the mother, in the same way it would be if you were giving birth to a baby. It's a f- traveling generally, right, is constant change, constant growth, and constant newness. That is really taxing on the body, on the nervous system. Like, it's okay for it to be hard. And There are things I feel that supported me before having a baby that still support me now. And they're twofold. One is having set daily rhythms that are flexible yet set. And then two, the mindset I go into it with. So on the daily rhythm side, you know, this is where I tend to stress out is what's every day going to, how do I plan? Because I know every day is different with a baby. So my default is to naturally make less plans. And yet that's not actually how I want to live while traveling. So the way I work with this is I ask my partner to push me. Specifically, I've asked him to push me on this upcoming trip we have to Japan because I really want to make the most of it. So I've told him already, I'm going to be uncomfortable and I want you to hold my hand and walk me through that because I'm going to I, I want to experience Japan more than I want to feel comfortable, right? So as a default, we'll, we would normally likely find food near to where we are when the timing feels right. We might bring our daughter back for a nap when we need a break too. This is how we've traveled in trips past, and that's probably my default way for traveling with the baby. But that's not what I want to do in Tokyo. So we will be planning our days to make sure we get the most, and yet we won't be over-planning them to stress my nervous system out too much, if that makes sense. So the way I'm going to do this one, and what I suggest for you as well, in in general, but um, if you're traveling somewhere exciting, is to have one anchor experience a day. One thing you're going to make it to. One thing that you're going to plan around. The rest is a bonus, right? Um... If you have a long trip, carve out one day of rest per week at a minimum. And then in the moments where you know you're kind of taking time at back at the um, Airbnb or hotel room, you know, split up, dine solo, make friends, be shameless. Like, 
The rhythms of your family while you travel include you doing things alone when you have a baby. Um, and these were some of my favorite moments when we were traveling in Spain was, you know, taking the dog out for a walk without anybody else there. So I really encourage you to play with your daily rhythms in a way you've never done before. And then last but not least, your mindset. So these are the three things I hold near and dear that have supported me most, and I hope you will appreciate them too. So the first is set expectations low and be pleasantly surprised. This is a life model of mine. Second, doing anything new is hard. Doing a whole week of new is really hard. Be gentle with yourself. And third, immerse yourself. That is enough. Accommodate your baby's needs, acknowledge that hard is hard and that worth it is worth it. Time and energy are just as valuable as money. So start with what is enough. And with that, friends, that is me. That is how we travel in a way that works for our family. And I hope that will inspire you to travel more or travel less, whatever works for you in this season um, of familyhood. And for anyone needing more support, you can find out more about the Womanhood Collection at kelly-smallgrass.com.